You are listening to the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen with Brent and Jerry. Oh, it's unextraordinary. God dang, but what? Of course, it makes sense now. Thought it was a little braggy at first, but now I read it correctly and it's unextraordinary. See what they did? See what they did with the thing and the un at the beginning? I get it. Get it now. Boy, it's a whole new twist on it there. I gotta gotta sort of mentally prepare for the for the comedy stylings of the un at the beginning of the word. A podcast about writing by two guys who never have. Episode seven. Episode seven, subtitled Don't Think You're Too Smart. Yep. I'm Jerry. And I'm Brent. So uh why am I not supposed to think I'm too smart? Well, first we need to define what you mean, or what I mean, by don't think you're too smart. Um, don't think you're too smart means that um, you can't assume superiority to your readers. You are not there to talk down to your readers. Uh, your readers are not your second grade elementary school All right, class. So explain that. How, how does... I mean, I think I understand that concept sometimes. Yep. Um, at least I've never been accused of that in anything I've ever written. Mm-hmm. But give me an example of it. Because I know I, it's one of those things. It's like porn. I know it when I see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, with great familiarity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There goes our clean rating. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. There we go. No. Um, all right. Not being condescending, not talking down to your audience. Um, you don't want to write as if you were smarter than the reader. You don't want to... You're not there to illustrate a point to make the reader feel as if they are not intelligent, that you are educating them. Okay, so it can't be like a textbook novel uh, you're teaching. Right. We're writing a novel. We're writing entertainment. We're writing fiction. It. Uh, we're not writing a lecture saying, you know, here is my alphabet soup of degrees... You guys are, you know, plebeian uh, college students and undergraduates. Um, please bow down and worship my greater experience. Okay, I can, I got it. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want to condescend at all. Um, readers are going to pick it up immediately. Okay. And nobody likes it. Nobody wants to feel stupid. I don't enjoy it. You know. That's uh, kind of an understatement. Yeah, nobody wants to feel stupid. Um, if I write a book, I don't care how good the story is. Uh, the characters are fantastically polished. The descriptions are, you know, erudite and vivid. All the action is, uh, you know, in your face and perfectly paced. But it makes you feel stupid when you read it. Nobody's so, going to buy book two. So how do you prevent yourself from doing that? What's this? What's this? Uh, I guess we didn't mention the author. Uh, Thirty-eight. <laughs> 38 Most Common Fiction Writing Mistakes by Jack Bickham. And how does he say you need to avoid that mistake? All right, so don't consider yourself too smart was his point number two. So we're going to assume, I never really did, you know, do otherwise, but we're going to assume that when he ranks them, you know, 1 through 38, that they're not totally random. Um, so uh, he starts with questions. Okay. You know, uh, and the questions are like, you know, do you, do you consider yourself smarter than the stories and novels you read? Um, do you think that fiction is beneath you? 
in terms of your intellectual you know content um, you know and uh, do you think your readers are going to be dumb compared to you you know it's like am, am I writing for people that are not as smart as I am um, you know do I do I you know revel in though you know like uh, I don't know, like Hemingway and, 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 you know, other obscure authors that people consider very highbrow, that kind of thing. If I am thinking like that, if I'm thinking that my readers are not as smart as I am, you know, okay. if I'm thinking I'm going to have to lead them by the nose so they can understand my wonderful story, <laughs> then they're going to pick up on it and say, uh, you're a jerk, I'm not reading your stuff. Okay, yeah. um, and probably only the fact that there are used bookstores will, you know, keep my wonderful novel from being torched. You know, because they're going to say, "Hey, this guy's a jerk." You know, I'm going to toss his book in the fireplace just because he's treated me so poorly. Um, what you're saying is kind of. I mean, I understand what he's saying, but he, it's hard to. What's the word I'm looking for? It's hard to. Uh, Quantify that. It's hard to quantify it, but uh, go back to the papers and stuff you you wrote in high school and and earlier in, in college and stuff like that. Right. How many times did we get a poor grade? And I'm sure pretty much all of us have because we were trying to impress the professor. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever got downgraded for that. No? I think what <laughs> I always <laughs> the professor well, wasn't that bright. Ha! And he fell for it. No. Well, I had a sort of eclectic progress through college. Okay. Uh, I got dropped out of the political science. Um, mm -hmm. My degree at first was political science. I got kicked out. I got basically flunked out because I disagreed with a professor. Yeah. Uh, and he made sure I failed a critical course. Uh, then I moved on to um, history, which was always very easy for me. That's my first love was history. So... Uh, and then I also got a military science degree out of that too, so which really didn't require much writing. Right. Uh, it wasn't. So, and my my thesis at the end of my bachelor degree, uh, really, I mean, it's not the way I was taught. That's not. I mean, no, I don't think I ever had that marked down. <laughs> I always got marked down for not fulfilling my thoughts. You know, poor draft the poor drafting process. Right. What about in uh, like high school earlier? If you recall those, recall any of that? No, I really don't. Yeah. I might have, you know. Okay. For argument's sake, let's say I have because it'd be sounding arrogant if I said I never got marked out for that. Well, it just means you don't remember it, right? If you if you were, I I remember very often actually um, getting papers marked back saying um, thing you know things like. Don't, uh, don't be arrogant. <laughs> um, you know, don't you know? It's like don't assume that you're the expert. Right. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, our writing is there to entertain. It's right. not there to impress. Um, the, the goal of the novel should not be to convince all the readers that you are this wonderful author because you're so much smarter than they are. Uh, so you don't want to use little tricks and pull them off that make the reader feel stupid. Right. 
you know, um, you don't want to talk down to your reader. Um, you've got kids. Yes. Too. And uh, I work with kids. So, um, ever tried talking down to them, being condescending? No. Okay. Why not? Because uh, I don't think that's the way you should talk to kids. Right, it's not. If you talk to them, I don't want to say as adults, but if you treat them the way they should, you feel the way uh, a person in general should be treated, they'll grow up to be like that. Exactly. Um, <gasps> oh, there's if an you, answer. If you talk down to them, if you pretend that you are, you know, if, if every word that comes out of your mouth, every sentence that you complete, reinforces the assumption that they are inferior to you, they're not going to listen to what you're saying. Right. Yep. Um, and, and that's the same way. Uh, if you treat the kid as just a small person, you know, maybe you need to change your vocabulary or explain things more thoroughly than you would if uh, you were talking to a 27-year-old instead of a 7-year-old. Um, but you don't assume that they don't get it because they're 7 and that you're older and you understand things better. You treat them as you would any other person. And uh, that's the way we need to treat our readers. We need to treat the readers as equals or even superiors. You know? Very interesting. Yeah, we don't want to talk down to them because, uh, you know, I don't want to read a book that talks down to me. Right. I have a high opinion of my own intelligence. I don't want anybody to tell me I'm stupid. I don't want people to treat me like I'm stupid. So what I'm not going to read a book that way. So how else does he have to say about not be uh, what be full of yourself? Yeah, not be you know not uh, not pretending that you're too smart. Right. Don't consider yourself too smart. Uh, so he puts it down into a lot of very bold statements at the very end here. Never write down to your readers. Never write down to your readers. All right. So that's all. All that that part is is. Um, Making sure you're not being condescending, you're, you're treating your author, your readers as if uh, um, they have a part in the story. That uh, what is, you know, there was always a phrase that I learned in creative writing classes was uh, uh, letting your um, it, what it amounted to was when you wrote a scene, let your writer's imagination, your reader's imagination, fill in the gaps. Right. Don't try to describe every detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, let them. Uh, be a part of the story as well. Right. Don't, like, show them the story saying, well, you're not really good enough to participate, so I'll show you all the things. All the things you need to right. know about it. Um, so not not talking down to your readers. Don't don't write down to your readers. The other thing you don't want to do is, uh, you know, don't sneer at work that's published. Um, don't, don't sit there and say, you know, oh, well, you know, this is lowbrow. These authors aren't very good. I'm better. Um... Those authors may not be very good, but guess what? They're selling. They're selling. Right. And that's yeah. and that kind of goes back to what I've talked about periodically through here is I read some of these books and some of these authors, and it's like this breaks every rule I was ever taught, mm-hmm. everything I tried to do. Yep. And I'm like, how did this thing get published? And I'm not I, – and I also have to remember, you know, when, when Rowling finished uh, the Harry Potter series, she – and throughout the, the career she had or has, she was criticized pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it, for me, criticizing a, 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 a well-known published author is not criticizing their success. I, I don't take that from them at all. I guess what it does is it just proves that you don't have to write Steinbeck and Hemingway in order to have a successful writing career. 
Correct. What you have to have is a compelling story. Yeah, we're writing fiction. We're not writing literary reviews. Right. Um, so writing writing fiction, you know, we, we want to write the story that people want to read. You know, um, we are not too good to write lowbrow, uh, you know, lowbrow fiction. And and I and you know I doesn't have to be the lowbrow, but we're not we're not too good to write whatever the the thing that people are going to read. We're not above that. We have to come down and we say we're we're writing entertainment for these readers. We're not writing something to lift them up. You know, I'm not writing the book that will catapult everybody from you know getting you know saying uh, I you know I like Harry Potter oh well no you shouldn't because this this and this my book is going to lift you up beyond that so you won't be reading these lowbrow things and etc um, well let's talk about that let's okay. use Harry Potter as an example all right now first I'm going to preface this yeah I take nothing away from her success no I mean no, no, no. she she did a lot for the young adult uh, fiction area yeah but she made it cool to carry around a book once it, a year again. It, yeah. It, yeah. Well, I don't know if... Well, she made it cool finally. Because yeah. even... I don't know, even when I was in co- high school, even college, I picked my winter jacket based on the fact of how many books I could put in it. <laughs> and okay. that never went over well with people. But so... Yeah. Eh, so what? Anyways, uh, my problem with the Harry Potter series is that it was very poorly done. I personally th- feel that she benefited from good marketing over her good re- writing. Mm-hmm. It admittedly, the writing got better, which is what an author should always do, is get better with each successive book. Right. But I, I one, have doubts as to... I always have doubts, even with movies and TV shows and some authors, as to whether or not they really have a plan to achieve this epic story they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. I think they walk into that story. I think they start with one goal and end up with another. Yeah. I, I personally don't feel, having planned a lot of things, I don't feel that you can do a lot of these lofty things. And my case in point of this, particularly with Harry Potter, uh, one, the claim is is that it was always intended to for a generation to grow up with it, or for your kids to grow up with it one book a year as they get older. Right. I don't think that's possible. Uh, namely because the writing does not reflect that. It reflects a lot of, to me, a lot of, hodgepodge, a lot of shifting and gearing, it reflects a maturity of the author, not of the reader. Um, Harry Potter comes across as a very contrite character. I don't I don't think and every the characters are mainly flat. The story is absolutely good. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to stay away from the whole Christian dislike of it, which I don't understand uh, necessarily, because the story is extremely good. It's a fantasy setting. Yep. There's nothing real about it necessarily, right. um, but it's the the writing the the way. I mean, I guess I can even compare it to some other authors, some very good ones. Um, gosh, uh, one that I've walked into very recently that I'm really enjoying a lot is uh, Jerry Karaya, who writes the Monster Hunters International series. Um, he's only done three books so far of it. Also, Brad Thor, very well known thriller suspense writer. Their writing is not what I would call outstanding. The okay. books and the stories are outstanding. Right. And I'm willing to ignore uh, mistakes in the writing process, so to speak, the, the mm-hmm. craftsmanship of it, uh, for the story that's being told. Right. And that's a, that's a perfectly good tie-in to our whole point. 
if we write a terrible story with bad characters that is wonderfully crafted, we're, we're talking down to our readers, in other words. And we're saying, uh, you don't really deserve a story, but you know, here is my wonderfully crafted thing. You know, um, it, it's like bringing a five-star restaurant chef to a barbecue and you know expecting everybody to enjoy their cold french soup and, and you know and these subtle things and uh here's yeah. a, an application and, and, it's and, like you know dude i was looking for a burger right and and here's yeah. a good it, the monster hunter monster hunter international the first book right. jerry Curry wrote uh the character itself has everything going for it. i mean uh, he walks. He, he's supposed to be a mild-mannered accountant, yep. uh, and he's all of a sudden attacked by a werewolf. Okay, you got to believe that, buy into it, because you read a book called Monster Hunter International, right? Uh, and all of a sudden, he turns out to be this kick-ass individual that's got three black belts in his history. In college, to pay his way through college, he used to fight in an underground uh, boxing tournaments, okay. mixed martial arts kind of thing, yep. and he's also a nationally renowned pistol rifle champion. Okay. Really? Yeah. I mean, seriously? There's this guy, I mean, I'm supposed to buy that this character actually exists and he just has become an accountant? Yeah. Uh-uh. But the reason why I'm willing to suspend that is that I'm reading about freaking werewolves. I'm reading about vampires, zombies. I'm reading about a group of individuals take contracts and hunt these creatures for a living. Right. I want that. It's nonstop, back-to-back action. And that's why I picked up that book. Uh, unfortunately, things like Lost, which which just lead me on with a bunch of things that get me well. Okay, I can buy all of this going on, and then all of a sudden turn it on its ear and never really answer any of my questions. Mm-hmm. Good writing. So I guess that's a good one. Let's put uh, Monster MHI and Harry Potter on one end, Lost on the other. Lost, excellent writing, excellent characters, pathetic story. There you go. The other ones, okay characters, okay writing. Excellent story. Yep. There you go. So, that's a good example of why not to write down, you know, not to be consider yourself too smart. Right. It, tying, but it, tying right into that, don't show off. Yeah, so how do you not show off? What do you mean by that? If you have something to say, say it in the simplest way possible. Oh. Well, that would also go back to... Would Lost count as showing off? Lost would definitely count as showing off. Okay. They make things more complicated than they need to be. If they were showing no off. For, for no the mystery. For this, yeah. Yep. For the whole mystery aspect. Right. Um, but uh, in practical writing, if um, you know, I can write a paragraph-long sentence that uses lots of multi-syllabic words... And, uh, you know, that means lots of words with big syllables in them, you know, because there's that multisyllabic, you know, there I am. You know, I like that Showing one. off. Multisyllabic. Yes. Never heard of that. Right. So what I'm, what I'm actually saying is, you know, big words. I can use lots of big words um, in a big convoluted sentence. And uh, I would be better off using simpler words. Um, like, you know, I could say, the professor ambulated... Um, cockadishly down the promenade. All right. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even get that. Yeah. All right. So, you know, 
the professor walked down the sidewalk works. If you know, if if um, you know, it's like he he walked down the sidewalks. It's like what cockatishly, um, like a chicken in heat. Yeah. All right. There you go. Walk down. You know, walk down the sidewalk like a chicken in heat. I don't know what a chicken in heat looks like. Neither do I. But it sounded really cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't even know if chickens go into heat. Probably only matters to another chicken. But uh, that's you know that's the kind of so don't show off. Don't, don't show off. Don't use a bigger word than you necessarily need. Right. And I guess maybe that's why uh, books like MHI and, and uh, Harry Potter and, mm-hmm. and Brad Thor's books and all this they they aren't showing off. They're talking right at us. Yep. And they're getting right to the point and they're yep. speaking uh, to everything. Yeah. One of my uh, one of my favorite new authors. Uh, well, newer to me. He's he's been around for a little while. Scott Westerfeld. Uh, yes, he writes yes. in the, the YA genre. He Leviathan and, yeah, and books like that. Right, you know, uh, the ugliest, pretties, and specials. Um, he uses larger words where they're appropriate, doesn't use them if he doesn't have to. Um, his writing is one of those uh, examples where he has excellent craftsmanship and good story and good characters. Um, you know, it's all it's all very compelling. Um, I think that he is one of the the higher quality authors in the YA genre. Um, you know, I've uh, I've read quite a bit of other YA literature, and they're they're good. Uh, I especially like the stories, the pacing, and the action. I think is what defines YA as being what it is, but um, not necessarily the craftsmanship that goes into it. Um, right. You know, I'm not saying YA literature isn't as good, um, but that's not its defining characteristic. That's you know, that's what uh, we call you know, English literature. You know, that's the, the you know the the Hemingway, the Proust, uh, Dickens. You know, those those are you know the the highbrow things. And and sometimes I think we consider it highbrow simply because the authors are dead. Right. Um, so you know they they can't. Uh, you know, we're, we're safe in whatever opinions we've formed. They're not going to write a book that, uh, you know, tosses those and overturns our opinions <laughs> because they're they're dead. Exactly. Um, but with uh, like with Scott Westerfeld, you know, um, you you don't need an English degree to have the vocabulary to read what he says. On the other hand, uh, it's not see Dick run, see Jane run. See the hill in front of Dick and Jane. See Dick run up the hill. See Jane run up the hill. You know, it's not talking down at any rate. What he does is he uses the minimum necessary to tell the story. Oh right, right. Um, so if I need if I need to say, you know, the the grass is green, but I want to really really emphasize how green it is. You know, I might say the vibrant the, or you know, vibrant brilliant. Green. You know, or I could say, you know, the the verdant emerald tendrils of moss covering the grass. It's like, all right, that's a good description, but you know, it's a little wordy. It's a little wordy, you know. But maybe you want to say it, you know, like describing a fairy to. forest. Right. That that's what it is. And yeah, I need to I need to describe it, but maybe I can describe it as, uh, you know, the the grass is green and vibrant, dripping with moisture. All right, everybody knows what moisture is. Everybody knows what dripping is. Vibrant brings, you know, mm. it's like brings a brilliant green. And I'm getting all hot and muggy and sweaty from that. 
Right. So you know, there there we have uh, you know there we have a simpler description that is every bit as characterful as using the bigger words. Right. So I don't need to show off. I have a good vocabulary, I think. You know, there are certain parts of my vocabulary I don't use very often. The really big words and the four-letter ones, because I work with children. <laughs> um, and you're writing a children's you know, book, YA book. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aiming it at the YA market, um, which is why it's uh, hopefully going to be very action-oriented, because that's what I found that I love about the YA market, is um, nothing ever stops happening. It's just constant action. Something is happening, always. Well, isn't Pacing that is important, but something is always happening. There's no remembrances. There's no well. That's what you know, that's what Rowling brought to the YA market, wasn't yeah. it? Is is an action oriented genre. It used to right. be filled with teen angst romance stuff. That's true. That's true. Yep. Yeah. But uh, you know, now we've discovered that we like the action. It's like uh, action films. We like action films. They have pacing, but you don't ever have your characters sitting around a table musing about their thoughts and emotions regarding the fight scene that just happened. You don't have that garbage in an action film. We've got guns and explosions. I mean, you know, Michael, Michael Bay is not going to remake Tale of Two Cities as a movie. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, if you've ever watched uh, I'm Number Four, yeah. you'd rethink that. Uh, I suppose I should. I've, I've, uh, th- that's actually on my to-do list at some point to watch and read the book. It re- I'm, I haven't read the book yet. I kind of want to because the story is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Movie stunk. Yeah. See, um, a good example of uh, simple writing. Uh, I'm not going to call it simplistic writing. Just simple, clear writing is uh, the Hunger Games trilogy. I love those books. I am so excited they're coming out in a movie because. They the the action is right there. It's and the action doesn't stop. I don't have to go back and look up a word. I don't have to reread a sentence to figure out what it means. Yeah. And it, you know, in an action-oriented story, uh, which the Hunger Games are, and there's a lot of thought-provoking stuff in there, and and there's a lot of thinking in there because it's uh, you know mostly mostly or even all written from first-person perspective. Right. Um, you know, so there's a lot of character thoughts and stuff in there, but there's not a lot of ruminating, you know, um, and uh, the action happens, it's, um, it's, I won't call it simple as, so much as I won't call it needlessly complex. Right. Um, so I think it'll translate well to a movie, I'm looking very forward to it, it's going to be a very action-oriented movie, I hope they don't screw it up, um, because like I said, those are excellent books and I really like them. Um, Suzanne Collins may not be the most, you know, uh, craftsmanship-oriented author. I, you know, I'm not going to make a judge either way on that. I really haven't thought about it. Um, but the books are just darn good. The story's good. The characters are good. I enjoy them. Right. What more do you need if you're trying to sell a fiction book? No, you don't need much else. Right. We're not there to show up. I'm not there to impress other authors. What I want to do is sell a book. And to do that... True. I can't make my readers feel dumb by treating them condescendingly, and I can't show off so that the reader has to, uh, you know, load up their thesaurus to figure out what the heck I'm trying to say. Or, or go sentence. take an English course. Right. Or go or, take an English course. Right. Well, great. Well, we don't have. Uh, I guess what? Yeah, I guess this podcast is going to be hard to to do advanced episodes because you know the whole promise thing that we do. Right. Um, right. 
So for our readers, we actually, this part two of uh, the 38 most common fiction writing mistakes uh, was recorded a week later, a week earlier. Right, we so yeah. we did a double session, and uh, so you don't get any promises from us right now, uh, but we'll pick that up again, um, and uh, you know we'll 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 catch you up to speed of where we are with our projects. But this was an interesting uh, discussion, and we wanted to kind of knock it out and get it done while it was fresh in our minds. Yep, and uh, I think what we should do for a promise, uh, because it's not going to so much be a goal learning promise, is I think uh, we need to take a look, take a hunk of our writing, something we've already written. Uh, a thousand words, a scene, or whatever, and take a look at it and make sure we're not condescending. Oh, good point. Yeah. And uh, you know, go at, go ahead and look at it with an editor's eye. Are we condescending? Are we showing off? Can we write it simpler? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And we'll do catch that up. What on? Uh, this is seven. Yeah. We'll catch it up on episode eight. So episode eight, we need to take a look at that. Well, uh, I I propose that we do it before and after. We have uh, we we take a, a section. And we save it as is, and then we go back and we say, how can I simplify this? All right. Excellent notion. All right. Excellent notion. Good. Well, uh, that ends episode seven. Episode seven. I'm Jerry. There it goes. (laughs) I'm Jerry. And I'm Brent. And we're the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen. It's like porn. I know it when I see it. With great familiarity. Look at how educated I am. I can use these big words. You're a jerk. I'm not reading your stuff. Thank you for listening to the League of Unextraordinary Gentlemen.